0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, point for prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Lock Talk Radio. When you came in, the air went
1: out. And
0: every shadow up with doubt. I don't know who you think you are, but before the night is through,
1: I wanna do bad things with you. I'm the
0: cam. Hey, everyone, this is Deb from Media Night Radio. As everyone knows, we have a special uh, episode with Ms. Dale Rowell. Uh, Media Night Radio welcomes to the airwaves veteran character actress Dale Rowell. HBO audiences know her from her portrayal of Maxine Fortenberry on the HBO hit drama True Blood. But before True Blood came calling, Dale worked in a myriad of stage film and television productions such as films The Mexican with Julia Roberts and Brad Pitt, The Lawnmower Man with 007, Pierce Brosnan, primetime television ABC's The Middle, HBO's Six Feet Under, NYPD Blue, etc., etc., etc. Dale started her career in acting at the age of six when she played the role of the mother in the first grade play. From that moment on, Dale was in love with acting and the courage to actually pursue her passion. In addition to her other acting jobs, Dale has also been portraying the role of Sylvia Sterling in Scandal Crust, a new improvised soap opera TV series from the world-famous Acme Theater in Hollywood. You can catch Dale in the next installment of Scandal Crust on November 16th at Acme or watch at Scandalcrest.com. She is currently filming the drama Untold, Due out in 2013. Let's welcome to the airwaves, Dale
1: Rao. Hey, Dale! Hey, Deb, how are you? That was a lovely introduction. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Uh, you have a new
0: uh, of television, film, stage. It's
1: wonderful. Well, thanks. I've been very fortunate in my career, and it's great to be a character actress because you don't have to worry about getting older. <laughs>
0: That's very true. That's very true. Um, so, you
1: do I read that you have a very unique family background. Can you tell us about it? Oh, gosh. Well, um, I guess so. I grew up in Montana, which is a sort of an unusual place to be from since there are only um, less than a million people in the state. But, my mother um, was, uh, my grandfather was a gold miner and a logger in Idaho, and um, my mother grew up in the wilds of Idaho and never went to formal college and was, or formal uh, grade school and was um, responsible for for finding and running a trap line, finding their own food, and when I was very young, we lived on the Salmon River and um, lived uh, in a log cabin. And, you know, it was quite, quite primitive, <laughs> actually. And
0: like then it.
1: my mother, um, as a very young woman, moved us uh, back to Montana when she started going to the university and eventually became a college teacher. But um, we both started from uh, very uh, primitive beginnings. But I must say, it it certainly has kept me in perspective all all these years. And then on the other side, my grandfather was the dean of the legislature for the House of Representatives of, from Montana. So I had kind of a kind of like your pioneer side and then your political side. So it was interesting. I bet that was interesting around the dinner table. Yes, exactly. You could say that.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, as, as we mentioned in the intro, um, your mixed foray into acting was at age six, which is extremely young. What was it about that play in particular, in the first grade, that inspired such passion for the craft of acting? Because at six years old, you generally don't know
1: what what you want to do. Well, exactly. And, and the only reason I got the part was because I was the tallest girl. So uh, I don't think it was any shining talent that I had at that moment. But I kind of, I actually do remember it. And um, I think what I enjoyed about it was the sense of community. I, I wouldn't have known what to call it that then, but it was very, it was fun and. People became close rather quickly and, you know, your inhibitions could be um, let down a little bit. And I just remember thinking that it was um, it was a nice experience to share with um, other people. I, that's kind of what I remember about it. I was an only child, so I think maybe I enjoyed the family part.
0: Okay, but that led you to pursue acting for the rest of your life, though.
1: Yeah, actually, because I, then I kept doing plays in the theater at school, and then in, in high school I certainly was, you know, a thespian and a drama geek, and and I always knew that's what I wanted to do. My mother would take me to plays, and I just was dazzled by them. And so then, you know, I studied in college and and did all that, and and it was just always you know um a passion of mine even though it was kind of a peculiar choice since i didn't live anywhere near a big city or or even watch very much television or go to many movies i just i just loved the storytelling part and the dressing up and you know it was just exciting to me oh
0: well you you started your professional acting career on stage at the old globe theater in san diego appearing That's in right. amrit Entertaining mm-hmm. of the true. Was yes, it that was, so... was it difficult performing Shakespeare first in your career?
1: Well, I'd done quite a bit of it in college, and I was a big I was a big lover of Shakespeare, and we were you know we we had to study it a lot in 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 school, and so it wasn't too difficult. And and you know in a theater like the Globe, which is so wonderful. They have a person who's a dramaturg who comes in and goes through the show, each script line by line, tells you what this means, what the history of this certain word is, um, what Shakespeare really meant by that. So by the time you actually rehearse the play, you're pretty well-educated in what you're saying, which is kind of always the difficult part. Right. So, you know, um, it, you have the luxury of of having a, a wonderful professional on staff, which you don't always have at other theaters, but someplace like that, you know, you're lucky to Right. Uh-oh. You there? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: okay. okay. Uh, well, do you feel that if you can master
1: Shakespeare
0: in Iandicson <laughs> Tamiler.
1: I'm sorry to say you broke up a little bit there. Would you mind okay. repeating that?
0: Certainly. Uh do you feel that if you can master Shakespeare and I the that you can pretty much do anything in acting
1: Well, certain forms of of scripts require certain skills, but, yeah, pretty much. I mean, if you can make yourself understood as far as getting the thoughts across, if you can find the humor in the characters, if those exist, if that exists, and if you're able to master that, then I think – pretty much any script would be, uh, you know, not such a terrible struggle for you. I, mm-hmm. I really do think that's true. And that's why, you know, those British actors are also fabulous and, and come from such a wonderful theatrical, theatrical tradition and, um, you know, are able just to kind of just do anything. So, yeah, yeah, that's a good question, actually, Deb, yeah. Thank you. So um, did, did being and in, in stage that that young Did it shaped your career into what it is today i think so i think it helped me be comfortable in my own skin and um have an appreciation uh for the the art or the craft of acting and to um understand i think it helped me understand a bit of what the life would be like and it just kept me, it kept my interest um, peaked always. And um, you just met such, you know, you meet such incredibly smart, wonderful, open-minded people who are, a lot of them are just crazy. <laughs> and it just keeps life a lot more fun than it might, you know, if I'd chosen some other more um, sort of uh, quiet profession. <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah. Since you were
0: acting and you were in stage and you began so
1: early and things like that, did you have a mentor in your early years? Well, I would say my teachers. You know, a couple, my high school drama teacher was very, very supportive. And then when I was in college, um, that I had a, a, a wonderful teacher who – gave me a lot of really difficult roles when i look back on it and um was very supportive um, he was um a yale graduate and so you know he he really knew what he was talking about and and i really paid attention to him and i was kind of kind of um always in awe of his knowledge and so i just tried to please him so um i guess i guess that would be i i, I think just having the, the good fortune to come across teachers who cared and really liked what they did, and then were able to impart that to their students. That doesn't always happen, so, so I was lucky in that way. And I just, um, you know, I just always loved it, and was surrounded by people who who felt the same way. And so we were kind of moved forward, uh, sort of whether we liked it or not. We just were all carried forward by by the excitement of whatever project. We were doing. I'm sure you must find that in your career now. Absolutely. You know, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so let's talk about
0: True Blood, okay. the vampire okay. Dead, series on HBO that blew up overnight. Um, why do you believe
1: that this series is so popular right now? Well, gosh, Deb, there's the blood, there's the sex. <laughs> The sex and the blood uh, <laughs> actually, I think it's um a combination of lots of factors, obviously vampires are very sexy and mysterious and evil, and they're also very funny and um I think when you combine them in a little tiny town with uh, a bunch of crazy humans, you're bound to have um a wonderful uh melting pot of characters. And who you know have all these conflicts and and then, of course, they fall in love with each other, and then they try to bite each other <laughs> and the, the vampires kind of represent um the outsider in 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 the world and um so we kind of root for them and and I just think it the the you know of course, the writing on true blood is so incredible and mm-hmm. and the characters have developed over the past five seasons. And um, so they're so fully formed and, and they find so much humor amidst all the blood and the sex that I just think the show is just um, born to be a winner. I mean, it's just incredible. Yeah, it, 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 I agree. Uh,
0: what is the most humorous thing that you can think of that has happened during the
1: filming of the show? Well, um I guess as far as I'm concerned, let's see, probably uh, being fitted for the black, these black contacts we had to wear, big black contacts that fit into our eyes that you could barely see out of as you were walking to the set, but they sort of would lead you to where you had to be. And then, you know, I was supposed to be possessed and I'm screaming and and I'm playing Wii and I'm uh, just pretty much insane and rolling around on the floor. I remember Alan Ball, who's the creator of the show, saying to me, well, Dale, I guess you really never thought you'd be doing this, did you? <laughs> and I'd say, no, this one never crossed my mind. You know, mostly I I play a lot of uh, school teachers and judges and secretaries and kind of buttoned-up people. So, of course, this is a blast for me. Oh, I bet.
0: Was there any particular different uh,
1: technique that you had to – Incorporate how it was such a different character. Well, I must say no. Um, I just I really had an affinity for the character when I went to the audition. I just really felt um, that the words kind of came out of my mouth pretty easily, and um, I could never say who who the people were. But I sort of have a a little combination of of people that I've met in my life that are that are kind of I based the character on. So I had a real strong um visual sense of who she might be and then of course they write so well with the rhythm of the south and you know the character's such a nasty bigoted you know busybody that it just uh it just was pretty clear as to what she needed to be so no it was just like I couldn't I just could never imagine how far they would take her and every season it's been just crazier than the one before which is mm-hmm. right yeah. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. But that's that's the fun of it. Um you are in the new improvised soap opera T V series Scandal Crest, which you're fabulous in at the <laughs> Acme at the Colony Hollywood, which um I can I can honestly say is wonderful. Can you tell us about this and your character
1: and what drew you to this project? Well, I had worked at Acme Comedy Theater last year. I'd hosted one of their um, Saturday Night Live shows. And um, so th- when they were putting the show together, they, they asked me to do it, and it just sounded like such a blast. And what it is, it's called Scandal Crest, as you said, and they're, we're doing five episodes. And um, there's, of course, as in most soap, soap operas, the rich family and the poor family and I play the matriarch, the sort of the haughty, terrible matriarch of the of the rich family. Of course, my name is Sylvia Sterling, which is a, a good indication of what she's like. And then there's, um, you know, the poor, horrible family. And and there's, um, it comes out that I have probably murdered my husband because he was having an affair with the woman in the poor family. And then there's, like, the slutty girl and the, the the nice young girl and the brothers who are fighting each other. And, but what happens is that um, they sketch out, for any particular episode, they'll sketch out the plot points in each scene, and we get that information. So it'll say Sylvia and her son Lance are in the office and they're talking about such and such. So then we just have to kind of go out there and ad-lib this um scene to get to these plot points to move the story along. So the whole thing is kind of off the top of our heads and you know uh and and we never know what the other guy's going to say and of course it turns out to be hysterically funny. We were we were very nervous. The cast was kind of nervous the first time out because we thought, well, this will never work. This'll be you know, we wouldn't we don't know what to do and ooh. But um the director, Joseph Limbaugh said, No, no, just have faith, you'll be fine and of course he was right. And uh the audience has been fabulous and let's see, we have only two more episodes. The next one I think is on Friday the sixteenth of November. Right. Yes, I I agree.
0: I absolutely oh, agree. Okay, <laughs> But it is a blast. It really oh.
1: is. And it, it streams live on YouTube as well. And um, then it's, you know, they, they put it up on their Facebook page and um, people can see the three episodes uh, that are already posted. And, and it's on CandleHut.com as well. Yes, exactly. Uh, exactly, yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, so you know that you have worked or you've been in film, stage, uh, TV. Every genre of of the entertainment field. What is your favorite genre and why?
1: I think I would say that I uh, love most uh, the theater because of the, again, the feeling of um, uh, sort of a familial unit or a group of people putting together um, a project and... and, um, and solving the problems of any given play or production and then, and then you know, creating it sort of as a gift to the audience. But I will say, as much as I did love the stage, which I don't do as much as I used to, working on something like True Blood where you have the opportunity... To know the people over a, a long period of time, you you do kind of have the same feeling. So, um, at this point, you know, uh, working on True Blood has been sort of the highlight of my of my on camera career. Just because it's so fun to know these people and to have such faith in the project and to be a part of something that people love so much. It's a big that's a big thrill. Do you do
0: you believe? I know you said something like uh, working on true blood is very much like stage. Do you think that TV productions have changed and, and kind of, you know, kind of had an evolution to kind of a stage mentality now, as opposed to for film like they used
1: to? Well, I guess in a way, yeah, that's, that's actually a good point in a way especially nowadays that most of the best writing for, uh, for you know, television or film scripts is done on cable. You think about Game of Thrones and Dexter and Homeland and and The Big Sea and, and Nurse Jackie. I mean, those are incredibly wonderful scripts that bring in really top-drawer talent. You think of all the movie stars that do cable television now and um, the finest actors – Certainly are the leads in all those shows, and so in a way um you can never replace live theater because that's a an you know um an exceptional singular experience but because the 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 writing is so strong um on cable as opposed to kind of network television for the most part um I think it's kind of really the place to be And so many movies now, the popular movies are either um uh you know big. CGI monster, you know, shoot 'em up uh, aliens kind of movies or maybe romantic comedies. Um they're just those scripts are while they might be big blockbusters and be very popular and, and rightly so, they're just maybe not as textured or interesting or or um as sophisticated as a lot of the writing you do find on on HBO or Showtime.
0: Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely.
0: Well, it's just interesting, the program. Uh, You have worked with so many prominent actors, and you have had the electric career you have. Is there anyone that you haven't worked
1: with yet that you are dying to work with? Well, I'm a big fan of of British actors, I guess, Um, and I would love though no, I think I'd be so awe-stricken I wouldn't be able to speak. I'd love to work with Helen Mirren, and um, I'm a big fan of Alan Rickman. Oh. <laughs> I love him. And, um, and also, uh, you know, of course, Dustin Hoffman. Um, I just, I I revere his work very much. And also, uh, of course, anybody in, would want to work with Meryl Streep, just to just to have that experience would be incredible. But, sure. You know, you'd have to get kind of over yourself. <laughs> Before you got
0: there. So you picked all, like, Oscar-nominated or
1: Oscar, uh, Oscar winners Uh yeah. of people that I you run into. Amazing, amazing people. You know, it would just be incredible to be in the same room. But we'll Thanks. see. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> I I think there's a
0: pretty good chance that you probably will one day. Um, (laughs) Can you tell us about any new projects you have coming up in the future?
1: Yeah, um, I'm actually, uh, next week, I believe it's on the 7th, I work in a couple of web series, and um, I have a very fun uh, episode next week on one called Fumbling Through the Pieces. And um, people can uh, go onto my Facebook fan page to find out about that. Um, or uh, onto Twitter, my Twitter handle is True Dale Rowell, and I'll be posting some information about that. Um, it's a wonderful series that stars uh, Hillary Bailey Smith, and mm-hmm. last uh, this past season we've had Michelle Lee and a lot of you know, nice big names. And um, I play kind of a nasty lawyer, which has been fun. And then I also work on another web series called Avenue Forty Three, which is. Um, pretty much um about the crazy residents of a certain area of Los Angeles called Highland Park and it, um it's on uh every other uh, week it's it it is shown and then let's see i did a, i've got a movie a couple of movies i just finished one called Untold which is um directed by Gina Garcia and stars Terry Ivans and it's um it's an amazing drama about a young woman, a young child who was ab- abducted and assaulted as a young girl, and her family and the authorities uh, made her believe it never happened. It's actually a true story, and it's the, the the movies about what happens to her as she matures and the struggles she goes through when she doesn't understand kind of what's wrong with her, and um, it's about her journey to, finding out what happened and recovering from it. So it's a it's incredible actually. And then another movie called The Pretty One, which stars Zoe Kazan who oh. um is a lovely young actress who just did that movie Ruby Sparks and she's the lead and he plays twins in the movie and um it'll be out I think in two thousand thirteen, yeah, not not too that not that far away. So that and you know, you just you just never know. I did a an episode recently of a new show called Monday Mornings, which is going to be a medical drama um, that David Kelly is producing, and wow. it will start in February on uh, TNT. Oh, that's fantastic. it well, I've been busy. <laughs> it's been nice. Yes,
0: you have. Yes, you have. Well, I want to thank you, and has maybe I to thank you for taking your time with us. It was wonderful to have you. Again, uh, Dale can be seen in the next installment of Scandal Crest on November 16th at Acme Comedy Hollywood. Or you can watch on scandalcrest.com for the uh, other episodes that you've missed and any episodes that she's in. Uh, as, as she said, there's five, uh, for this series. Thanks again, Dale. Thank you
1: so much. Have a wonderful Thank you, evening. You, Dave, it was a lot of fun talking to you, and I hope I see you at the next scandal crack. Absolutely, I will
0: be there. Thank you right, very much. You take care. You Bye-bye. too. Bye bye. That will conclude this this episode of Media Night Radio. Hope everyone has a good weekend. And again. Make sure that you check out Scandal Crest on November 16th at Acne Comedy Hollywood, or you can watch it at ScandalCrest.com. For Deb, this is Deb signing out. Have a good evening. Bye-bye. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky
1: just about anywhere.